Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Shoot. You better save me a piece of that corn. Save me a piece of that corn for later. This is the Fizzle Show. Actionable, articulate, and entertaining conversations about running a business in the modern world. You know, every Friday we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. You have three hosts on the show, and they are Corbett Barr. He's the experienced one who's done everything from venture-backed startups to blogs to bootstrap businesses. Barrett Brooks, the uh, young, book-smart marketer, and more often than not, manager of uh, the team, the reiner in of the conversation Er, that's his actual title. And then me, Chase Reeves, I'm sort of the heart and jargon and chutzpah-rooted creative director of Fizzle. Now, in this episode, this is a good one. Oh, man, I've been waiting to do this one for a long time. At the time of recording this little podcast for you here, this is my voice right here, this microphone... At the time of me going like this, Fizzle has over 400 lessons in 31 courses. Right now it's 489 lessons to be exact. That's over 10 courses a year for the past two and a half years that we've been around making courses. Now, I've always loved teaching ideas that excite me. And after the past few years here at Fizzle, we've made an absolute business out of creating courses that change people's lives. So in this two-part conversation, this episode and the next one, we're going to share with you over 30 tips to help you make engaging courses that you can sell yourself, covering topics like how to develop a course topic that will sell itself instead of burning you out, what apps and software you should use, when should you host it yourself on WordPress or something like that, and when should you jump to a platform like Udemy, what methods we can use for content strategy, and a whole crap ton more. They don't think I know a crap ton about the gospel, but I do. It's for all my Nacho Libre fans out there. This is an exciting couple episodes to me because I've lived this course creation stuff here at Fizzle for the past few years, and I figured out some processes that have been enormously helpful for us, and hopefully they're going to really help you as well. And when you get your course out, I mean, when you make a course, you're training something, hopefully make it something really valuable you can support yourself selling this thing anyways that's the dream okay let's get into it follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 109 i'll be back right at the end to fill in any gaps and we're back are you guys ready to start let's do it all right let's get into it let's start this let's start this episode off with a bang because we got a lot coming down the line for you right now we got a we got a hey this is chase i'm here on your thursday night radio session we got drive time here one hour a non-stop business party you know what i mean because a lot of you out there you're working on it man you're during the day you're just kind of like doing your day job and then you come home guess what time it is business time business time that's right and i'm here to play those tracks for you coming up next we've got tips to make a course (laughs) (laughs) didn't really work it's all the rage these days. These kids are making courses. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Lots of people are. Yeah, a lot of people are making courses. courses. Uh, it sounds like it's the easiest way to make money since, uh, I don't know. Since sliced bread. If you just write a good sales page, you don't really have to make a very good course. You know what? I, I believe that. I believe that is true. Part of that is true. Oh, that's amazing. God. Anyways, a lot of these kids are making uh, making courses so much so that we got a, a, a question here from Andrew Kidd. He asks, Teach others how to build courses in your course. 
It's a big stumbling block for me and many others, and I'm sure it would help with student retention. He's talking about Fizzle here. Anybody not know what Fizzle is? You guys know? Tell him. Well, just Tell in case. Uh, Fizzle, you can get get into a membership community that we've created where uh, it's essentially training for those aha moments that you need to have, mm-hmm. the insights that you don't yet have in your business. You know, I've been running around forever waiting for one of these things. Took a course, had it immediately. It was great. Then uh, on the other side of that, community community of a lot of entrepreneurs doing the same kind of thing. Now, this isn't like venture-backed people. This isn't like a bunch of douchebags somewhere doing a bunch of crap that you don't want to do. This is all real people making real businesses, connecting with one another, you know, because that's all business is, is people communicating and connecting with one another. I like your mm. southern draw when you say real people. Yeah, real people. So, that's what Fizzle is. You can get in for a dollar at Fizzle.co. Anyways, just filling in the blanks here for Andrew's question. Uh, can He continues. He says, hey, teach, uh, teach us what theme to use, where and how to store video for the courses and how to do on how to outline the courses etc and then he goes dot 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 value smiley face sincerely andrew kid which to me my, i don't know about you guys but my favorite part was the smiley face i just love those little guys <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> they're terrific anyways so what we're going to talk about today in two uh in two episodes of the show we're going to talk about i kind of want to just absolutely get everything out not every i mean it i'm sure we'll forget some things but we've been making lots of courses Does anybody know how many courses we have 29 uh, 29 is that true i think so okay i thought it was more certainly it's like i mean if you if you say the number of lessons it sounds like a lot more <laughs> What's, i know i know we have 467 videos and that's, right. incredible. Uh, that's incredible that's, that's a, a lot, lot of goddamn videos a lot of lessons folks so we i mean we've been doing this for a long time we've been making courses and this is part of my favorite thing my one of my favorite things is now when we make a course like we're not for us when we make a course it's not like we're going like we're course makers it's like i have something i want to teach and so i'm going to do it through video and text and worksheets actions because a lot of the learning happens when you're doing stuff, but you can't start doing stuff unless you know what you're doing. So I got to teach you that. And the best way that most people learn is combining all of the forms of learning and making it both visual and audio. And there's like a, remember that old part of your brain that developed around the uh, prehistoric age where it's like really good at, at, at recognizing facial patterns? Yeah, that we want to use that part too. You know what I mean? We want to use all the parts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we've made a lot of these and and in some ways the hardest thing is not getting people uh in 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 the seat to to do your course. The hardest thing might be making having them actually make progress on the thing they're trying to make progress with on your course. Uh it, it might not be the sales, it might actually be you getting your butt off the you know. Yeah, I, I don't thought want, it- I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say sofa. You know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. I'm bringing out the big guns today. Don't be so fucking easy killer. <laughs> Coy. Hey, who says sofa king? You know what I mean? <laughs> if anybody's the sofa king here, it's you. You <laughs> sofa king. So uh, I thought it was I mean? interesting. I thought it was interesting that the um the gentleman Andrew gentleman's King's question yeah. was uh really sort of about just the technical nuts and bolts of how do you mm. put a course together. Yeah. But when we were going over your notes, yeah. it was very much how do I come up with the content yeah. for a course, which really is the harder That's part so of the work. much harder than yeah. throwing something up on Udemy or yeah. using Keynote and ScreenFlow. And we can answer your technical questions in about four minutes. <laughs> totally. If we were <laughs> making a course on making a course, the technical stuff would be like a lesson. It'd out of be a 15 lesson. or something. Well, 
Because that's not going to be your differentiator. It's not going to be the thing that makes people want to buy. Everything else is going to be the thing that makes people want to buy. I'm going to have to disagree with both of you. I think it would take 10 lessons to teach somebody the technical stuff. And it is a differentiator. Um, When somebody sees your course and it looks really great, it can really make it stand out. It makes people feel like they paid for something quality as That's, opposed to you're, just you're, you're bang giving on. them a bunch you're right. of files. You're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a straw man of the, of the technical argument just because I've, I've seen a lot of really great-looking turds. You know what I mean? Like, you can have a really, really well-polished. You, you can buy a badass camera and get the cool light kit yes. and set up a nice background and have zero to teach. That's true. Zero actual stuff. Because, and, and maybe you have good stuff to teach. You just don't know how to get it out of you in a way that's actually uh, digestible. Right. right? Right. So what we so just me, established is that both are important. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. Everybody loses in the end, right? Because you can't take anything with you when you go. So that is out of the possible the out of the possible options as one of my favorites. It's a good option. It's standard, solid. It's a option. Damn good option. It's a standard shift. So you know, if you could drive a stick shift, it's a good one to go with. All mm. right. Good to know. Uh, you're still typing over there. You want to. You, you're, you're getting ready? I'm, I'm ready. Corbett's like got a lot of notes. He's ready. Yeah. Oh, baby. He's fired up. Okay. We so, fired him up. So, uh, so, so I'm not sure how this exactly this will come out, but I've got, we've got a big long list here. Uh, and we're going to, we're, we're putting together, we've all done some, some preparation to get, get this stuff out. And so we're going to do our, the very, the darndest that we can. Our darndest. Get it all together. Okay. So, so the first, the first section that I'm going to talk about here are, um, well, I guess there's, there's one thing. Barrett, you sent over a great um, a great article from uh, Brennan Dunn. Do you remember that? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Well, he asked he asked a couple interesting questions to start us out, um, and I thought this was an interesting sort of framework for a course because a lot of us we think about doing a course and we just go we just go like this is gonna be like what I do for a living this one course, and the truth is that's probably not going to happen. So Brennan has this quote. Uh, he says, listen, he was, he had made a, a, a couple products and he says, if I'm looking at this one product as an income replacer, I'm probably going to be disappointed at least for a few years. He was talking about how it was growing month after month after month, but it was still pretty low key, uh, in terms of revenue. So it's not going to replace his income anytime soon. But he says, if I classify it as an investment, with a return rate that outpaces just about anything on Wall Street, then it's a strong win. The goal isn't income replacement. It's income dis- diversification. So as a starting point, I, I don't know. Part of me, he was not, the article wasn't even about that. Mm-hmm. I just, it was just an aside. And as I, 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 I just got like kind of, I was excited about that because we don't, we don't say that. And I'm going to start saying that now because a lot of people, if you put on a course that like it needs to start like replacing your income really soon or this, that, a bunch of pressure on this thing on yourself subsequently to like make this thing do that thing, you're going to be let down. Like it's not going to do that. But if you look at it this way, you can A, justify the amount of work it's going to take to do it. You can B, uh, justify the work that it's going to take. To mm-hmm. do it, you can see like it's going to take some work, and now you can do that. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But like it, 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 it gets you out of the whole like, how do I just get to the results thing? And it makes you realize what it's like to actually have a course out there, which is just like a, and on, it's like a, 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 a hedge that needs trimming every week. It's like a lawn that needs mowing. It's something that you're going to have to work on from time to time, even if you're not working on it full time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think you could build a course that you don't have to work on 
yeah, on an you, ongoing basis. But, but like in order to grow, like get massive sales right. to it, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So maybe not the course, but work on the sales. The marketing and stuff. I think I think um, maybe the way to look at what Brandon, Brent, uh, Brennan, Brennan, Dunn, Brennan Dunn. sent this in. Yeah. Or it was yeah, an article you wrote. Yeah. Um, a way to look at it is, we've talked about this before with eBooks or anything that you launch. A lot of times people get so wrapped up in the results they get from the first week. Yeah. Because they hear about these like totally. multi thousand dollar launches that people have. Yeah. And then they feel like, well, if I don't achieve, you know, X thousands of dollars in the first week, then the whole thing's a failure or it wasn't worth my time. Yeah. But if you put out a course that you feel like is good and can live for a few years, then you have to think about it this way. How much time did it take to build that course? You know, mm. maybe it took you a couple of months of working on weekends and, mm-hmm. and maybe you have 80 hours into it by the time it launches or something. Um, but then over the next three years, sales are just going to trickle in. They're going to keep trickling in. Yep. And this even happens to us with, even if we have a big launch week, the launch week eventually pales in comparison to the total revenue that you earn from the course over its life. Yeah. And so those 80 hours in the first week look like, holy it's been 80 hours to make $200. Totally. That's not worth it. Yep. Um, but after three years, when it's X thousands of dollars, which it probably will be if it's a decent course, yeah. and it could be X tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars if you work on it and find something that people are really into. So it does pay yeah. off. And one of the things I always I always find myself wanting to get into with this, and I'll try to keep it brief, is like, listen, we're talking about courses like it's some newfangled idea, some new yeah. some new thing. This has been around for forever. All you're talking about is training in something. You're teaching somebody something that they want to know how to do. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, getting into our first section here, uh, kind of like choosing which topic your course will be on and doing a little bit of a preliminary research. Um, my very first uh, item on the list here is pick a good topic. Okay, something that's useful to someone's career. I almost want to add that in there because this is something that I learned after doing Father Apprentice, which was for people who want to be new dads. It's really easy to spend $10 if what I'm buying is going to make me better at my job. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to spend. uh, It's really easy to spend $2,000 if what what I'm paying for is going to make me a lot better at doing my job. Yeah. Because that means I might make $4,000 the first month I'm implementing the things that I'm learning from this, right? So I've brought back that revenue. That makes tons of sense. It's really hard to pay $2,000 to be a better dad. Yeah. Even though, arguably, it's the most important thing in in maybe your life if if that's how you're living your life as a father, right? You're not going to pay... I'm not going to pay $4,000 to be a better husband. You know, even though that's like something that's so important to me. Mm-hmm. Actually, I kind of am because we're doing couples therapy right now. It's great, but it probably, I think my, my insurance kicks in at around $2,500 <laughs> once I spend that much, which is like, okay, that's fine. Um, but like, so it, and this doesn't have to be the case. A lot of people, a lot of you out there listening to this are like, I want to do a course on how to, how to do parkour mixed with like Zen meditation and like breathing exercises. It's just something that's become really important to me. Yep. Cool. Make the course. Realize that that's a, a really hard thing to make like a, a thing on, but it's totally doable. You know what I mean? So, I, but if you wanted to focus on CPAs and making them 5% more efficient in a year's time, and if they pay $180 for your course, a recoup twice that much in the first four weeks of what they've learned, then yeah. it's like, now we, now it's like, oh, it would be dumb of me not to buy this. And I, I think you just have to be honest with yourself uh, about the balance between scratching your own itch versus trying to find something that is yeah. a potential revenue generator. Totally. And sometimes those are at odds, not always. Um, and you said, you know, do something that's going to help someone's career. That's 
certainly one place to look yeah. for value. But really, you're just trying to create value for people. And if it's, it could be relationship help, yeah. like you're paying for right now. Yeah. Obviously, there's enough value in trying to improve your relationship that you're willing to pay yeah. a therapist or whatever. And so people might be willing to pay for a you course. You think of self-help as one of the largest, you know, book yeah. uh, categories is, is, fundamentally that right so there's 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 pre-existing uh boxes in people's minds for spending a certain amount of money on certain things but so i would easily spend twenty dollars on a book from tony robbins teaching me how to do x y and z right or right. or eckhart tolle or something even if like it's that. not directly related to your career it's related to your life and you yeah. you put enough value on that and so in some ways some way like so like uh, maybe tony robbins is, is instructive here and in that you can go buy a book from him and a lot of a lot of people have right yeah you can also go buy one of his live seminar things and and very few people have in comparison to the numbers that have bought his books because it's so expensive but it's a very different sort of ball game right so it exists you can do that that's what i'm so so when i when i say useful make something that's useful to someone's career i'm saying that's something that i learned early on that it's definitely a little bit of a sisyphusian task to 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 do just lifestyle stuff and yet all the things that i buy and enjoy the most are lifestyle stuff but that where do i make where am i getting that netflix <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm getting like I'm like don't make a course then make a documentary that's amazing. You know the way that yeah. they, they did with some of these other things. So we can y- you could debate in your mind about whether sure. or not something's going to have value, but you're never going to know unless you start gathering yeah. some evidence, right? Yeah. So you can look for examples of other things that exist out there already. That's always a good place to look. Um you can talk to people and see what they think. Mm-hmm. But before you build a course, it might make sense to run a couple of little tests. You yeah. could start a blog on the topic and see if you're able to grow an audience. You could start yeah. a podcast on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you could put together some sort of, you know, quick, dirty, uh, email course, five part email course and, uh, send people to a page and see if they're willing to sign up for it and see if you get any feedback on it. So yep. the point is, you know, don't just go into this blind and spend 80 hours or more, whatever it takes to build a course only to find out that it, this is like this weird Zen meditation parkour thing that Chase was talking about that it's nobody's really interested in. It's really fascinating. Um, do a little bit of, of work to test it. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Now, um, uh, one, one last note on this is like, I would love it for... The, just thinking of me, like I'm not a, I'm not a very good, like Long Island type, but I'm just a hustler. I always have been, you know what I mean? Yep. So if it's going to make money, I'm going to be a part of it. You right. know what I mean? I've never been that kind of guy. I, I always will burn out of something right. if it's not important to me in some way. Yep. You know what I mean? So for me, I would say, uh, if you can do something that's important to you, and it helps someone else's career. Maybe it was the career that you have now or had before. Yeah. Um, and something that you have also third experience with, but you don't have to be an expert in. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important sort of uh, little shift there. So um, something that's useful to someone's career or life, right? That one's, yeah. take it or leave it. Then the next two, I would say, for me, I won't allow myself to do anything that's not, that doesn't, isn't either, bo- that isn't both important to me and something I have experience with. You know what I mean? Now, I, I think that um, you can... It's debatable what's important to you because that changes, yeah. especially for somebody like you. I'm carefully not saying passion. Right. Right? Yeah. But... Um, What's important to you changes from week to week. You've always got yep. something new, you know, yep. you just started running six months ago and you're super into it now. So yep. things can change. And so um, as you're thinking about all these things that you're into, you know, coffee, running, blah, 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 whatever it is, um, look for the one that seems like 
people would be willing to pay for in some way. Yeah. And you've also been into a lot of different software packages. You've mm-hmm. got into Logic and Final Cut Pro and all that kind of stuff. And Fruity can, Loops, Ableton. I've been there, done that, baby. And that's the kind of stuff that you could create a course around that yeah. people would pay money for. That's there, true. You, you can look and see all kinds of examples on that. You guys, we should scrap this whole fizzle thing and just make <laughs> courses on it. <laughs> I want to uh, mention uh, somebody that I talked to earlier earlier this week. His name's Joseph Michael, and he runs a site uh, or a course called Learn Scrivener Fast. And um, Joseph has a really great um, story. Actually, we could link to his um, episode on the Smart in- Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn. He Joseph uh, had started blogs and all kinds of things and, and never really found a way to make decent income. And he was doing lifestyle stuff like you were talking about. Yeah. And he took a step back after a year or two of earning like $100 a month from his blog and um, started to look for patterns in courses that were doing really well. And our friend, Brett Kelly, who we have a founder story with um, in Fizzle, his story really stuck out to Joseph because yeah. Brett has this runaway success course. Uh, it's It was an ebook at first, right? Maybe it still is an ebook, actually, called yeah. Evernote Essentials. Yeah, still an ebook. And by the way, like the difference between a course and an ebook is really just format, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Evernote Essentials was really popular for Brett. And um, Joe started wondering, like, what? could I do that follows that pattern? How could I figure out some sort of piece of technology that would be interesting to people and valuable to them that I could teach? And he wasn't an author. He wasn't a Scrivener user. He had no expertise in it. But he noticed that a lot of people talked really passionately about this tool. And um, he found himself like knee deep in it one day trying to figure it out. And it kind of dawned on him, oh my God, maybe this could be that thing. And um, as luck would have it, he, he worked hard, put a course out, didn't really think it would be anything more than any of his other projects, because that's how it always starts, right? Mm-hmm. You never know. And he put his thing out there, uh, so to speak. So, yeah. And, um, and it, it by far eclipsed every other project he had done. Within the first six months, he ended up earning more uh, from this course than he did from his day job. Wow. He ended up leaving his day job about 18 months later. That's crazy. He's doing multiple six figures in revenue. Um, and that, that question that you had about like, where could I find some value yeah. to create for people? I think he just hit a home run with it. So, and that's, that to me is the allure of this whole, of this whole thing about working smarter, not harder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything in some ways, like maybe everything just comes down to that. That's what's the most interesting thing to all of us is just like, that was just an idea that was hanging out there that nobody saw. Yeah. And, and I, he saw it and he was somehow set up in a situation to just take advantage. And of I it. think like the certain kinds of people could use that and run with it as an excuse to, try to be lazy, like to look for like secrets, like the four hour work week or whatever. Um, I look at it the other way. I I think of it as if you're going to put in hard effort into something like a lot of us want to do because we enjoy work. uh, If you're going to put that much effort into it, you might as well look for the thing that is going to multiply your efforts. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. he 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 was working forty hours or a week or whatever. Actually, he had a day job, which is another cool part of the story. He wasn't working that much. He was working nights and and weekends and, yeah. and lunch breaks. Um, but uh, just to think that if you're going to put in those twenty hours a week on a side project, you may as well look for the thing that's going to take off. Totally. Yeah, that makes so much sense. First of all, it makes me think of uh, when is the boss Bruce Springsteen going to write like a you know Born in the USA song kind of. Or Bon Jovi maybe could do this, but it's about like the guy who becomes a blogger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been working real hard on my day job. I just want to get back home to my MacBook Pro. I'm looking to build an audience, but I just, I don't know. 
pretty good. Kanye That's West already good. did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who did? I started a blog so I could get some traffic. I started oh, yeah. a little blog. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, let's hey, go. Oh, Barrett's over there. Hey, Barrett. Yeah, Barrett, I'm you, here. You, hey. you give us, run, run hey. us through your next one well, here. Your next but one. First, this one's yours. I, I want to. One thing that Corbett mentioned about the Learn Scrivener Fast thing is that, no, he wasn't an expert when he started, but he definitely did the work to learn about the tool enough <laughs> oh, yeah. to be able to yeah. teach it. And there's a big yeah, difference. Yeah, that one... Go ahead. Keep going. I said that one, what I, what I love about that is like, I know a lot of screenwriters that use that tool mm-hmm. and it's their bread and butter. Yep. You know what I mean? A lot, and a lot of writers, a lot of people who write books, like, like you get to inform a passionate group of people who are not about the product. They're about the thing they want to make with the product. Yes. So now you, you have a, you have a built in amazing mission. Yes. Right. That's the same thing with, with using logic or using keynote or all these other things. It's like there's a built in mission for these pieces yeah. of software. And Joe said he never heard from a single person, uh, that, who are you to teach this? You're not an expert. Yeah. Because the people he was teaching knew less than he did about, yeah. about the yeah. software. And it's not as if there's a bunch of courses out there on it. So yeah. he found something that was hot and fresh and exciting and new and valuable to people. The other interesting thing is this, this story is just fantastic because he, <laughs> he, he's married, has a kid, works a day job. Yeah. The whole thing. It's yeah. like perfect, right? Because people always like to say, well, that's great for you guys. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you already have an audience and uh-huh. you know, you're not married and, uh, but anyway, he's got all of those constraints. And, um, at the same time, uh, I talked myself into a circle. Do you think that we should scrap everything that we've ever taught and just teach how to find that business opportunity? Cause in some ways it kind of takes care of itself. I don't know how many of those exist, but I, I mean, yeah, when you find one. Cause of those- that's what makes this story. I mean, he is just a, 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 a like a, a great, like, one foot in front of the other, keep moving forward. That's all it takes to, to do this sort of thing. You don't need to be brilliant. You don't need to be, you just need to not give up. And then, and then sometimes you stumble onto a, a great idea. But it's, and not, it's, not, it's not the not, idea itself. That, yeah. It's, what, there's, what there's you a think, lot Barrett? more to it. And he worked his tail off to become good and understand the ins and outs of that program enough. Yeah, to but you can work, you on. could, you could do the same thing not knowing. If it'll pay off or not. Well, he also, yeah, I mean, he also worked his tail off to, to put himself in a position to even look for those opportunities, you know, because he he tried other projects in the past. I just want to reproduce it. I just want to make it more reproducible. So here's, right. And and it's funny. Like, let's say you think that you need a website, like a professionally designed, well built website in order for your business to succeed. And you think you need, I do. And I have $200 in an Odesk account. Can you help me? Exactly. So (laughs) one approach is, complaining about it and saying you're never going to be able to hire a designer and a developer good enough to build what you want. Another approach would be keep your day job and use some of that money, funnel it towards going to a three-month nights and weekends coding school to take some front-end code classes and get good enough to build it yourself. And that's the kind of work that Joe put in to be able to build this product. And so the difference between some people and others is that some people look at an obstacle and they say, well, woe is me. And other people look at it and say, well, I'm going to go learn this so that I can do what I want to do. And whoa, there's whoa. a big difference between the two. And <laughs> whoa, sometimes I get I, really frustrated I, with this. And you can hear it <laughs> in my voice because it's annoying to me when people say, well, blah, 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 did X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, they did. They woke up one day and they decided they were going to get good at something enough to teach yeah. it to someone else. I mm-hmm. like it. Preach. Yeah. So, uh, but, so this is exciting to me because... Um, 
a lot of times we have this debate about people who join Fizzle. Yeah. You know, when you have somebody who has spent the past 20 years learning how to play an upright bass and they get really good at it, then for them to make the leap to teaching that in an online course when they've probably already been teaching it offline, that's where we have like some really, you know, amazing um, case studies, amazing case studies. And, and it just, the path is easy um, for them. There's this like almost, you know, when we laid out the roadmap, in fact, some people brought this up. There's almost this pre-stage, the stage zero, which is like having enough expertise to actually build something that's valuable. The thing that I I am excited about when I hear about Joseph's story or our friend Brett Kelly's story with Evernote Essentials is it wasn't some 20-year-long process of gaining expertise on something because it's a new, a relatively new tool. And that's the difference between going into um, a profession that is well-established, like uh, my sister-in-law, who's becoming a physician's assistant. Obviously, that career path is so well-established that there are these rungs that you have to climb up on this well-defined ladder, and it's going to take you however long the establishment says it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing could be true for learning how to play an instrument. Like, to get really, really good at doing that, there are other plenty of other people who have spent 20 years doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if the software is a year old, then there's no one on the planet who knows more than a year's worth about it, and probably nobody who thought to themselves, I should teach a course on this. Yeah, certainly not the people who... I remember when Scrivener came out, Scrivener, uh, I used it a bunch back then. And then now now that now I think it's probably further than 2.0, but before this was pre 2.0 and everything shifted with that one, but there was like, (laughs) you had to like, just figure out how to use this program. Like it was really cool, but you, uh, they're like, I don't know. We made it just figure it out. I mean, we're figuring it out. So you could do (laughs) it. They didn't have a lot of like, you know, the training involved in it. There was a couple screen flows online somewhere, but like, and it's also really customizable. So it's how you use it. And so half the time when you're learning a tool like Scrivener, you're learning what are people's workflow in Scrivener? Not just how do I use the things? Like I understand some of the things. What are, you're just looking over somebody's shoulder. Exactly. And that can be so helpful. Yeah. Like you did with your shareable images course. Just yeah. a couple more points about this. Let's it, hear it. <laughs> You're fired up. He loves it. So two other things. One is um, just imagine around the country and around the world, how many classrooms inside of community colleges have some dude or some lady at the front who was handed a proposal from the dean or whoever. Yeah. Hey, we want to offer a course on X this year. Yeah. You think you could teach it? And they're like scrambling like, oh, shit. I don't really know. I better yeah. like get my syllabus together totally. so I can teach this thing. And meanwhile, you have all these students sitting in the class paying college credit expenses yeah. for this thing, which is like at least 500 bucks, right? Maybe a thousand dollars or something yeah. Yeah. for a teacher who's somewhat inexperienced in the thing that they're teaching to begin with. So to, to feel like, uh, you know, I don't know if I could charge $20 for my course or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's silly, right? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy because it's happening. It's, it's the way the world is. Think about the so way long. that like, man, that's the, uh, my son's five and a half, and all I can think about is I just hope so much that he gets one of those teachers that that just has that spark. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Right. I think I had one. Yeah, I, I had two in college that I really loved. Yeah. I didn't have any in high school that I really like connect with. But like when you see someone who's in love with you know whatever the universe or biology or something like that. Yeah. You see someone that like can, can inspire that in you when they see that like, Oh, we're just discovering all of these things. And you're like, well, we're discovering, you know, it will change their whole direction in life. Yeah. Versus someone who's just like 
Nancy, do you think you can do the course on uh, biology this year? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But even if even if that's all you're going to do, just by nature of having put the work in to get a course out, even if you're not the one teacher, uh, you still might be able to earn a living from it. Last point on, on yeah. Learn Scrivener Fast. Um, when I talked to Joseph the other day, he also remarked that uh, he charges $97 for the course, and yet the tool itself only costs $40. Yeah. And to think, like, people are going to pay more for training than they do for the tool. It happens all the time, right? Um, And and, uh, and so whatever limits you have in your own mind about what you can charge or why nobody's going to buy it or whatever, you're not going to know until you put the thing out there, really. That's right. And this is why that concept of expert enough that y'all started back at Think Traffic Corporate was so smart. Because at the end of the day, it's not just software. It could be coffee or wine, there's probably more topics that you can learn about in three to six months and start a business around than there are that you can't. So like, yeah, you're not going to be a surgeon in six months. You're not going to learn to play an instrument good enough to be, you know, selling out stadiums in six months, but you probably can learn about most things worth building a business around within three to six months to at least get started and be more of an expert than 80 or 90% of people out there. And like yeah, and a great I, example is Matt Giovanisi right now, who's doing um, roasty coffee or whatever it is. He knew nothing yeah. about coffee before he started that business, and he's already off to a fast start. So yeah, it's awesome. We've yeah. hammered this point to death, but my point is either have expertise or build it, or get serious with yourself about what you're willing to commit to your business. Because and get serious, yeah, get serious, man. Okay, come on. And um, if you, and if you want to make your your life easy. Uh, choose something that doesn't require a lifetime to learn. Yeah, because yeah. the ironic part is, you could spend twenty years trying to be a good musician, and you probably won't be able to put food on the table. Right. You I could am. spend three months learning some piece of software that came out, build a course around it, and you might be able to support yourself and your family. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, just it, and so so there is this like you know results are not even across the board, yeah. and you get to choose where you're going to put your time. You yeah. know. I think that's that's bang on. Boom. So all right, we've gotten through number one. Yeah, that all came from <laughs> pick it. a good topic. Um, but but what but listener, I want you to hear what what's happening here. We're veterans of this. We're making these things for a living. We have done for a very long time, Corbett especially. And uh, and we're hearing in Joseph's story something that that is is one of those like <laughs> it's not magic. It it's not magic at all. Yeah. And and you know what I mean. And yet it's still very difficult. It just, it isn't magic. It's very human. And the other side to it is, um, in case I didn't highlight this, it's not like the first time out of the gate, you're going to pick the perfect topic. I put out three different courses uh, in a few years and had a lot of experience with, you know, learning that some things take off more quickly than others. And so if you choose a topic and you run with it and you put it out there and it doesn't work, don't tuck your tail between your legs and go home. Always look at, you know, your, your first product as, as Chase likes to say, breaking the seal, earning your first dollar, yeah. learning how the whole world works, and then move on to another one. In fact, I like to coach people to plan two or three courses that they're going to launch over the next year or mm-hmm. two years and um, and get the first one out and immediately have your sights on the next one so that you don't get so wrapped up in the first one that you get yeah. stuck. And get that a, terrible launch depression Yeah, <laughs> that plagues us all. Okay, give us your number two, Barrett. All right, so here's the deal. So one way is to pick a topic and kind of go with something that you're interested in, something that's new, do all the things that we just talked about. Another way is if you've already built kind of your minimum viable audience that we talked about in the roadmap episodes – then you can use them to help you come up with an idea for a problem that they need solved. 
And a good way to do that is to either use surveys, which we talked about in another episode, or to use the little autoresponder trick that everyone on the internet talks about where in your first autoresponder email, welcoming people to your email list, because you should have an email list, you should ask your subscribers what their number one challenge is right now, and then collect all those responses in one place. And what you'll have when you get done with that, so let's say you have uh, 300 people, I think is enough of an audience to get a feel for who they are and what they need and what their problems are. You should have a fair number of responses from them about what they're struggling with. And if you go through that and you look for some trends, hopefully you'll be able to find some. And that could either be a starting place for a survey to go deeper with your audience. It could be a way to follow up with some of those people that sent you emails and try and schedule calls to uh, understand more deeply what those challenges are that they're facing. But overall, what you're looking for by going to your audience is what problems or challenges or opportunities do they have that they're going to be able or willing to pay for you to solve for them. And there's no real trick to having a definite answer to whether they're able or willing to pay. Um, there's some strategies you can, you can, you can use to try and get at that, but you're going to hear it in their tone and in, uh, the consistent stories that you're hearing from the audience over time. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think that, yeah, that's, that's, um, in some ways, like I would, I, I, I don't know. I, I could go both ways. If you, if you, just have something that you care a lot about and you just want to make a course, just do it, get it out there and see what it's like to market it, but do it in a short, short amount of time Yep. or do one of these tests. I'm going to make that run a test on that, on, on the, whatever topic idea that you get either yourself or from your audience as basically number three here in this, in the, this list, because I think that makes a lot of sense doing a quick sort of four, four blog post series thing a a you know eight episode podcast series on it a seven day email course on it right just to gauge you cannot if you've never made a course before you have no idea how valuable it is to get feedback from people on your ideas you're trying to teach them something in an email hey really quick if you have any confusion about this just reply to this email let me know what you're what, what's confusing about this I'll, I'll make it clear for you yep if you get if you get three responses to that you are you what you've just done is you've just made your your material so much stronger you have no idea and you because what's happened is you went oh my goodness yeah i guess i was assuming that they knew that and they don't now i'll just help them understand that up front and you can't know how many holes in your argument are there especially when you're trying to commit something to video trying to go back and redo it it's just it's yeah. it's bummer it's a total bummer Okay, uh, Barrett, give me this next one again on the researching your competition. All right, so one way or another, you should have a topic at this point or a problem you're trying to solve, one of the two. Um, sometimes it's easier to start with a problem you're trying to solve because that can kind of guide how you go about solving it. But next, what I would do is I'd go out and find who the competition is for this topic uh, or the problem that's being solved. I'd go out and I'd find what products are already out there and uh, how are they talking about the product? What does their sales page say? What testimonials do they have from people? And how do people talk about the product? Are there reviews online of the products anywhere? And what you're trying to do here is just get a sense for, are there any other similar products out there to what I'm talking about? We're not looking for a market where there's absolutely nothing usually. It's not to say you can't do that, but usually when there's nothing out there, literally nothing that's even remotely similar to what you're thinking about building, it means it might be a tough market to get into because either you're going to have to educate your audience on what you're even selling them or people aren't able or willing to pay for it since there's nothing out there that's 
help create a successful business already. So what I would do is if you find them, I would buy one or two of those products and study them. Take notes on what you find, see what the holes are. This is kind of similar actually to your uh, three-star review strategy, Chase, on Amazon, where if you go read those three-star reviews on Amazon, you find some of the holes, some of the things that the author didn't cover in the book that readers wish that they had covered. It's the same thing when you're looking at these products. You want to find what are the, the holes, the gaps in what they're teaching What are the flaws in the way that they're teaching? How could you do it better to serve your audience in particular? And I think this is going to give you a whole world of ideas, but what you got to make sure you stay away from is copying one single person. You really want to get a a grasp on how many people are doing it so that you're using the meta analysis instead of that, just like I'm plagiarizing this one person who I found. Hey, I think you're, you're bang on. Um, so one of the things that it makes me think of is this is kind of remember when we talked in episode 86 the reverse engineering massively share massively shareable content it's still something there's two episodes in recent history that I keep pointing people back to and that's episode 99 on the productivity journal and um and if you haven't listened to that just go do it right now because it's the practice of it has just changed my whole world mm. totally it's pretty nice then uh number then the other one is episode 86 um which both of those will be in the show notes this is about how to reverse engineer massively shareable content. And the reason why I mention it here is because one of the things that I've learned is, and the, now now that I've got eyes to see it, I can see it in everything that Tim Ferriss does. And um, Barrett, remember when you talked about like those learning models? Yep. Uh, I think you did a, a, a post on that. Who are the other guys? The Mastery? Uh, is Robert that the other Green. one? Yeah, that's right. And then I don't remember who the third one was. Um, Maybe Cal Newport? Make, probably. Uh, so anyways, one of the things that, that was common amongst all of those is this like sort of evaluation of what's, what's out there sort of, uh, uh, dissecting what, what it is that they're doing. And then you kind of go and do likewise. Now, why is this interesting? I've started doing this a lot more now because it's showing me where the holes are in my own thinking, right? Like you're saying here, Barrett, about what, when you buy the thing, where do you feel that the holes are? And what what are the things that they're doing yeah. a good job and a bad job of? You'll find that it's pretty easy when you have a bunch of existing material to move it around and change it and make it yours versus making it all up yourself. But where is when does this become plagiarism, right? When are you Jonah Lehrering it? Right. <laughs> right. When, you, when are you being Lehrish? So you have to walk that yourself. The truth is nobody's, nobody's recreating the wheel out, out there, right? No. If you look at, at I mean... It, nobody's recreating the wheel. You're not going to create anything original that hasn't been ori- originally created somewhere else before. So you know that even if you did not talk or look at anything before this, you're going to put out ideas that someone else has already done and they could already uh, accuse you of plagiarism of. But it's something that's very in- important to me. That's why every anytime I w- use something from someone else's thing, yep. cite that source. Yeah. Even if it's from within that course and just make that a damn... <laughs> Make it a damn like like a like a value statement because you know what you're going to be able to come up with so much you're going to be able to do so much more when you can walk free and easy like that versus yeah. having this sense that like well and if you and if you feel like you don't want to cite a source because if somebody goes and looks at it they might notice something is a little more similar than maybe it should be yeah it's a red flag yeah red flag I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about being in business for the long haul guys yeah I'm not talking about like fly by night like I just yeah. need to make a couple hundred bucks real yeah. quick and then have your reputation tarnished for a long time there's a lot 
lot of people out there that I've met like that, where it's just kind of like they're trying to do better now. But yeah. it, it's 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 soul sucking to do that for yourself, let alone the reputation that it costs you. So, the, but this it needs to stand. This researching the competition is something that I never used to do. I used to do in design world just to be like, okay, what are the objections that they're overcoming here right. in the copy and all this other stuff. Um, but I never really looked at it from a content perspective, and that was a big shift for me. Because I can look at what someone else is saying and go like, dude, this has zero personality. It's got no grit and it's missing out on what I feel like is the most important damn thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So anyways, those are the, those are the first four of the course topic and research sort of thing. That's taken us a while to get through because these are really big open ended sort of things that can determine that have a massive amount of importance when it comes to what direction and trajectory this thing flies out. Absolutely. You know, so uh, I want to talk about next a few general content stuff before we get into a special kind of webinary thing that, that Barrett cooked up. So, um, let me go through these kind of quick if that's okay with you guys. We'll see. <laughs> Do it. Smart, smart way of, of putting it. Um, here's a great, great, the, the first, first point from me is, hey, instead of trying to be the expert, instead of like making your, a lot of us out there are doing courses and we're, we haven't spent the last 10 years getting really great at stand-up base. We haven't been in the field as a psychologist working with post-traumatic stress disorder for the last 30 years. You right. know, we, ha- we, like, we don't have that step zero done, but I'm really, really interested in, X, Y, and Z. The way that, uh, you know, I don't know, Japanese animation companies run their business uh, hierarchically and the management tactics therein of the creative arts in Japan, right? Of whatever thing that really fascinates you, you can't stop kind of thinking of. Totally. So you don't have to be the expert on there. What you can do is you can sell your dis- you can sell discovery instead. Here's this great quote from a guy, I think, who was an, uh, the biographer for the Charles and Ray Eames. He says... Um, you sell your expertise. He's talking about Eames here. Uh, you sell your expertise and you have a limited repertoire, you know, but you sell your ignorance and it's an unlimited repertoire. Eames was selling his ignorance and his desire to learn about a subject. And the journey of him not knowing to knowing was his work. And ever since I read that quote, I was like, nothing ex- ex- succinctly expresses it so well, because that's what my life has been like a lot. It is me just being brash enough to be on stage talking about something. Mm. And because the, the truth is that there's no such thing as an expert. You don't graduate from expert school where finally the whole world goes, you're an expert now. No, someone gets you on a TV show and says, you're an expert in teen therapy. Or someone says something over here, or you're associated with these people instead of those people. It's all just pack human thinking stuff. Nobody's an expert in real life, just like there's no really nothing really original under the sun. So that's a free freedom that's a liberating kind of thing it's not a it's like okay so now instead of pretending that i need to be this expert i can sort of go like you know what i don't know a lot about this and so i spent the last year figuring out as much as i can here's what i've learned mm-hmm. you're a journalist oh my goodness now yeah. what's most important is your is who you are. Is, uh, do I want to listen to Anderson Cooper? Do I want to listen to uh, the Comedy Central news guys or, or Jamie Oliver? By the way, that that last week tonight is such a great show. It's pretty good. Have you seen how yeah. great that show is? It's not Jamie Oliver. It's John Oliver. John Oliver. Jamie yeah. Oliver too, though. He's good as well. I like Jamie. We're gonna eat some veg now. <laughs> are you guys ready for some veg? Can I hear? Yes. All right. First if. First if. First if. 
<laughs> I smell toast. Okay, so anything anything to add from you guys on the cell discovery instead of expertise? No, I like it. Honestly, Just, I saw this from you today on Ice to the Brim, and it screwed with my mind because I was in the middle of writing an article, and I made the point about the value of expertise. And what I was really trying to get out was what I was saying a few minutes ago, which is that even if you don't have it today, you can build it pretty quickly. And so it made me go back and rewrite that because I think it's a great point about the fact that it's not about the longstanding 15-year expertise. If you have that, certainly you can use it to build a business much easier than a lot of people can. But if you don't, that doesn't mean you're out of business. It just means that you have to work pretty hard over the next few months to gain some sort of expertise or discover yeah. something you're interested in. Yeah. yeah. And I, I want to make sure that we're not we're not poo-pooing expertise. No, we're, we're not saying so it's, valuable. We're not we're not saying that it's, you know. Yeah useless or whatever or that it doesn't exist because I, I think it does or at least people have experience more than you do yeah in a lot of cases and you should be reverent about that you mm -hmm. know and and uh, be humble when you need to be and yeah and you realize that other people know more than you do but don't use the fact that there are experts in every field there is um keep you from getting started because yep. i think a lot of people do that yep totally yeah this is kind of like the escape clause for all of us so like for me i'm a master of a lot of traits or no, I'm, I'm a jack of a lot of traits right master of potentially none yep. besides just looking awesome you know just mm -hmm. like walking in the club and all the ladies are like what <laughs> last weekend it was it was amazing it was incredible so i mean that <laughs> being clearly my god-given talent um but but other than that, like, I can play pretty good guitar. I can make a pretty good song. I can draw a little bit. Uh, I can make productive things. You can watch Netflix like, with the best of them. <laughs> Listen, not only can I watch it, but I can, I can remember things from it. Not only am I watching things, it, my life is changing. I'm really good at having uh, existential crises, too. But the point being, like, I anymore, maybe there, there, there will be less and less of these kinds of experts just because our culture seems to be moving at a, uh, the pace of a tweet stream, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and like the whole point is squirrel. to say it, yeah, squirrel. And and I, I I think that there will be some repercussions to that potentially. But suffice it to say, for us back alley folks who never really spent a lot of time in the trenches, like learning one thing really well, there's there's still ways for us to make stuff too. Yep. And even when you are the expert, the point is not bravado and expertise. The point is is you have something you need to learn and I can teach it to you, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that there's a subtle change there that's important. Okay, number two here is, this is a, this is a big one for me because of a recent story. Um, you got to find the angle that you're coming at this topic from, okay? What do I mean by that? In some ways, it's, it's intentionally vague. In, in journalism, in, in, when you're writing a book, the way the authors talk to each other, it's like, yeah, but what's the angle on this? What's the angle that I'm coming at this from? What's, what's the angle on this story? You know, I could do a story on a watch manufacturer in Japan and it can be, um, you know, about worker practice or it could be about the craftsmanship and the focus on the things. And but those would come out very differently, right? So that's the angle that I'm picking. Well, recently I did a course in Fizzle on how to make those, how to make images for social media that are really shareable. Mm hmm. Here I am jumping into this thing I know very little about besides like I can make anything I need to make on Photoshop, right? So what am I going to, I'm not an expert in making shareable images. We've made a lot of images. A lot of them got shared a bunch. Does that make me an expert? I don't know. 
So I, I, I struggled for a while trying to be the expert. Here's what you got to do. First of all, you got to this that, yeah, I found this article over here. That's a good thing. Hey, let's yep. talk about format. Uh, what are, you know, it, it's a, it's a strange breed because you're not going to give anybody some tip besides like, you know, here's how you format the thing and that's going to give them, you know, some magic over anybody else. So what the angle of the course ended up being was here's how to do research on your own industry for what's working there in social media images. Mm -hmm. And that, similar to, again, episode 86, how are we reverse engineering what's going to work out there and then doing it our way? That's what the course ended up being about. And it ended up being, with a lot of like really specific examples and and a handful of other really technical um, updates and fixes and stuff. But man, that changed everything. Like I was struggling under that for a while trying to be the expert till finally I got far enough away from it to go what am I trying to do I'm trying to say I'm trying to give something I do not possess right yeah and so I came back to it and said like well okay so now taking the fact that I'm an I'm ignorant about this thing what if I started there and made that the point of the course similar to the quote I just got into <laughs> so anyways that that is that is kind of an important thing uh, maybe in some ways it's saying the same thing as the, as the thing about above because that's what it meant for me in that situation but you know what depending on what you're talking about the angle that you're coming out at just just sometimes like maybe this one could also read like take a breath you're not an expert now just help someone learn how to do this stuff do you know what I mean they're not they're not asking you to solve all their problems for them they're mm-hmm. still gonna have to work they're still gonna have to do some stuff well and I think it, the idea is um, also just to consider for what purpose am I teaching this to yeah. someone and so you might be teaching Microsoft Excel to um, people who are trying to be uh, growth hackers or marketers or something. So you're not just teaching Excel in general. Yeah. There's a specific purpose. Hey, that'd be a specific great product, by the way. Outcome. And the way you approach it um, and the stories that you tell and the case studies that you give are yeah. all going to be different because of that audience. Totally. Okay, let me, let me hustle through these here. Okay, next one is be learner-centric, not teacher-centric. Okay, everything in your head right now about this course is in your head, your head, your head. And you're thinking about how you're going to teach it, right? It's all me, 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 me stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not till you, till get, you get close to that audience and you put that like seven email series together and you go like, hey, do you have any questions about this? I would love to clear them up. And it would really be helpful to hear what was confusing and what wasn't, you know? Um, when you start to hear from your audience, that's when you start to go like, oh, okay, they can get this. And then you see like, once they actually get it, they could, they could be pretty badass. Mm-hmm. They could make some great stuff start to happen, you know? So be learner centric, not teacher centric. And uh, this next one, be useful centric, not explainer centric. I'm the worst at this. Okay, because I want to do five lessons up top about the sort of general history and sort of ethos and this ethereal stuff. I want to, I want to make you, I want to inspire you about all this crap, man. Before I get in any worksheets or any lessons or things like that that are like actually doable user sort of useful sort of things. So when you think about being useful, think about it this way. Write this down. What three things Will a, a, will someone walk away from this course knowing exactly how to do? This mm-hmm. is similar to your comment just then on like, I'm not teaching Excel. I'm teaching Excel for growth hackers. And when they are done with this course, they're going to know how to A, find, uh, 
find and organize content ideas based on what's already existing out there in the marketplace. B, create a spreadsheet of 50 uh, weighted average decision matrixy ideas that they're going to try next for their thing. The third one is X, Y, and Z. So now it's like, I'm not teaching a course on Excel for growth hackers. I'm really just teaching those three things. Mm-hmm. You don't, you want to know what just happened? You just got a lot of clarity. Yep. You just know, you just kind of figured out a lot right there, right? Similar to that, this next point, don't make a whole course, make one module. This is just a little trick, little hack. Instead of making a whole course, you can make one module, an MVP of that course, so to speak. Put it out there. See if I mean, you get to ship it sort of now. You can get feedback and iterate on it. And it'll be so much better when you do 2.0. And yeah. every module after that will, will just keep getting better. To Just to go back to your be useful centric idea, think about how many courses all of us have sat through. If we went through you know, high school, college, everything. Yeah. Like dozens maybe hundreds of courses that we sat through and how few of them did you walk away from with at least one specific thing that you could use and that you remember you know most of it is just this high level explaining of concepts that you you forget about and so to think like well if i just do one module that's not very much well if you give somebody something that's actually useful that they can put in their toolkit and they pull out every now and then and it helps them get through something yeah that's a very powerful thing that most courses don't achieve totally totally i love that example of excel for growth hackers by the way let's keep using that throughout (laughs) examples um uh so do a module not a whole course okay and then this last one of the general content stuff is uh define how you're gonna know when this is done Okay. Is it when the sales page is up? Is it when you've gotten feedback on the beta version? Is it when you're on the beach drinking Mai Tais mm-hmm. for a living? That's uh, that's one that's personally at the end of all my pod projects. Yep. Um, but what this is doing is this is a question that any good coach will ask you. How will you know when you're done? Right? Because it's forcing you to 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 define the edges of this thing. This ambiguous sort of like, yeah, I think there's a limo involved and like everybody's taking pictures of me. I think I'm a pretty famous guy and like, you know, I'm with like a lot of people and they all seem really important. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's the way your, your biology's running. Yeah. Right. And you can't formulate those thoughts. So when you're, when you're forced out of that world, out of the world of your emotions and biology and just ambiguity into, oh, I'll be done when I have that third module done and oh, and the sales page is up. So now you can reverse engineer from there and you actually have like a little bit of like a, okay, these are the things that need to get done. Yeah. That you can't know how long a course can go on in the process. Like you can just be making a course for like eight months, nine months, 10 months, 12, 15, 15, 17, right? You can go forever and it just keeps sliding, especially if you have a day job and all this other stuff. Like it just keeps sliding and sliding away. Yep. A lot of that is just because you don't actually know when you'll be done. Mm -hmm. You haven't defined it. Do you have um, other content organization stuff in the outline here somewhere? Yeah, yeah, okay. that'll be in the next episode. Okay, I think okay. what we'll do is um, is go through this next this one next bit, and then we'll 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 kick to the next episode. Cool, just to just to do that. So so Barrett, um, first of all, you guys, anything to add on that general content stuff? Ready to move on? Ready to move on. This can be a long episode. Okay. So let's get through. I want you to now. You developed this whole like sort of webinar path idea, which I thought was really interesting as a way to sort of preliminarily pitch your content, your course content in real time, and get really great feedback on it. So would you run us through these, these steps? Definitely. And so before we get into the tactics of webinars, which is not the point, 
I want to make it clear that the point of this is to test the content of your course before you finalize it and make it for sale and then put it out there to crickets. So yeah, and you could easily do it as a workshop, exactly. uh, yep. you know, uh, just a Google Hangout with a handful of, of people who are interested in this kind of thing. Yeah, yep. you could do it uh, workshop, webinar, one-on-one coaching for a small group of people, group coaching, whatever. There's a lot of different formats. I'm going to talk about webinar. You can substitute any of those things in. Great. So the first thing I would do is um, develop a presentation of the outline for the course content that you're thinking about creating. And I think this should be enough for like a 45 minute to an hour long webinar. So kind of like a typical keynote presentation, essentially. Um, so hold on, hold on. If you, just let's can, can can we just clarify for people just a little bit more here? So we're not talking about making a course here. What we're talking about is doing a test run of your idea with real people to see if uh, a they're they're interested be maybe willing to pay for it and see to get feedback from them so that you can eventually make a really good course. Is that kind of what's going on here? Exactly. This is like a initial version, an MVP version of the course that you can test with real people before building a whole thing and paying a videographer and yada, yada. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, Roger that. Okay, cool. So on, uh, once you have that, you can, as long as you have a minimum viable audience, then you can promote this webinar to your audience that's already out there on your email list so that they'll hop on a call with you. And basically the idea is no matter how many people hop on, deliver the webinar as if it's like the most cool thing that you've created in a million years and with some uh, rigor and show it to the people. Let them see uh, what you're thinking about as far as the course is concerned and um help them help you understand what it is they want from you related to this. If you want to take it a step further, you can even charge people a small amount to hop on the webinar with you because by doing that, you'll test whether they're both able and willing to pay for this concept of a course that you're creating. So maybe Mm -hmm. you charge whatever, 10 bucks for the webinar just to see if people value the concept that you have. Um, Yeah. So after I did that, I would gather the feedback that I got from each of the people on the webinar, maybe even have a couple calls with people who are on the webinar. You could position them as position them as coaching calls or follow on calls to help them apply the concepts or whatever. But in doing that, you'll get some feedback from them and you'll hear the issues they had and the gaps they felt like there were in the presentation. Um, all right. So then basically you use that feedback to filter it back into a more detailed outline for the content of each module that you want to create for the course. You could apply Chase's um, learning if you want to just make one module at first, or you could go through and create the whole course. Um, and then what I would do is go through and create one webinar for each module that you want to create. So kind of building this out from one core presentation about the overview of the product and then break it down into module-based little webinar presentations. And again, this stuff is going to help you later when you create the end course because you're going to have many of what your scripts will be already written. Um, If you wanted to create kind of an alpha test group for your product, just like Fizzle did when we were just starting out. uh, Oh, you're talking about an ATG? Yeah, that. Got it. Alpha test group. Do it again. Nice. Uh, you could run your alpha test group through a series of webinars over a number of weeks for each of your modules. And so you're kind of getting this cycle going where you're testing the high-level concept, getting feedback, building it into a more detailed conceptual outline, module by module, getting feedback again, and then making the final version. 
And if you get advanced with it, you can get people to pay you all along the way to be testing how the market will respond to you asking them to pay for this, solving this problem or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use this actually, um, this strategy for um, start a blog that matters, I believe. We launched a series of workshops, we called them, which were like an hour-long session on some specific topic that was sort of a subset of what it would take to build a blog. And we sold them. Yeah. I don't remember what exactly. They weren't expensive. It was like $30 or something to attend a workshop. And um, what you can also do is you can iterate each of the workshops. So you could launch it, uh, you know, deliver it, see how it goes, and then improve it. Maybe do a series of three of them. And by the third one, record that third one. Yeah. Because it's going to get better over time. That rehearsing is so helpful. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, I did a series of, so, you know, three of each. And I, I believe it was like four total different webinar, you know, categories or types. And at the end of that, because I recorded the last one of each, um, I had something that I could package up and turn into a course, essentially. And like Barrett said, got paid along the way, which is cool, saw which things people were interested in, and um, had some really valuable course material. It's a lot easier to deliver a course, especially when, when you're just getting started in a webinar workshop sort of format to a live audience yeah. than it is to sit in front of a camera by yourself yeah. um, because it's so hard to just have the energy and the momentum to get through a, a long piece of material. Yeah. And when you're on camera, you can beat yourself up over yeah. and over again for like a couple of weeks trying to get one lesson out. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing it live, it has to come out in 45 minutes or an hour and that's it. Even know? though on a webinar, it can feel really, really weird yeah. that there's like nobody really out there, but like they kind of like chime in and chat everyone's well like, I'm here. I can well, and you, you can have um, have somebody come on as like your co-host or something. Yeah. They can ask questions and field, you know, questions from totally. the audience. That makes it nice. Okay, keep going, Barrett. That's pretty much it. So you get feedback from this series of webinars you do based on your modules, and you build that into the final outline. And then I think that kind of feeds us into the next episode where we'll talk about really key tactics that you've been using and developing, especially Chase, to help us have a method for creating uh, fizzle courses. So at this point, you'd have tested your idea with your audience to that initial webinar. You would have gained feedback by working directly with them or surveying them to see what they thought of that concept. You would have developed it further by creating detailed outlines for each of the modules for the course, tested those with the alpha test group of your audience or customers, uh, depending ATG. on how you appro approach it. Yeah, ATG, that's right, key <laughs> concept. Uh, and then you take notes on the, that again and have feedback for each module, build that in and make some detailed scripts that you, that you can then use to shoot videos if you want, or you can do the webinar style videos as a part of your course. I love it. Well, I have been Chase Warman Reeves. <laughs> I've been Corbett Barr. And I've been Eric Brooks. And we will see you. All right. Thanks for hanging out on the drive time with the Fizzle crew. Uh, we're signing off for the night. It looks like uh, Terrence is coming in next. For some oldies, I think. Anyways, that's it for us. We'll see you next week on Friday where we're going to be talking more about this kind of cool stuff that you can't just go nuts for. So there you have it. Man, thanks, Andrew, for your question. Uh, you know, this all started with Andrew's question because he wrote in to hey guys at fizzle.co. 
You can write your your question in there, or you can head over to fizzleshow.co slash ask and get your voice on the air. We're, uh, we're requesting that you send some more questions in. So tell us what you're working on in your business, and what's something that's maybe keeping you stopped up right now? What's something that you need to get unstuck from? We'd love to help you with that. For show notes for this episode, you're going to want to go there because we list out every item with some notes for you there. Um, you're going to find that at fizzleshow.co slash 109. Okay? While you're there, add your email to our newsletter so you get an email every week or so with us. Uh, giving you a little bit of inspiration, huh? a little bit of motivation, huh? a little bit of tips and tricks. huh? Who doesn't want to hack these days? Hey, anybody the only one around here wants a hack? Fizzleshow.co slash 109. Listen, you know our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. And, and if you leave us an iTunes review, it sort of helps us to do that. Because it, why? It helps other entrepreneurs find this show. It helps other people find the show. Not entrepreneurs, just people who are like, are like maybe I could work for myself. Maybe I, uh, maybe I could actually do something. Well, we can help them figure out how to do that thing. You know, that's what we do here. And if you leave us a review, it helps them to find us. Here's one from uh, Kate in the USA who says, I might be addicted. Three weeks ago, two great things entered my life, my Fitbit and my Fizzle Show podcast. Now you can find me every evening walking around my neighborhood to get to 10,000 steps with my earbuds in listening to Chase Corbett and Barrett. Thanks for all the terrific info on being an entrepreneur and for all the laughs. No, Kate, thank you for leaving us an iTunes review. So dear listener, please, uh, you could do that. That was easy, right? Just say something that you like about us or maybe that you don't like. Give us an honest review. We got another sort of negative one. Sorry, guys. I wish we could uh, keep everybody happy. But if we're keeping you happy, just let us know in the iTunes reviews. Okay, that's it from us on this one. Tune in next week. Uh, You're subscribed in iTunes or some app that you love, right? You you already subscribed to the show. Is that correct? Uh, The app that I like is Overcast. If you don't have one, Overcast is a great app. Uh, There's a lot of other ones, though. So make sure you're subscribed so you can get the next episode in your sleep. Okay, find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. Talk to you next Fizzle Friday.